0: in the house. God bless Brother Miller. Jesus, praise the Lord, everyone. Always good again to be in the house of the Lord. Always excited about what God is doing and what he is going to do. We do serve an awesome God. Amen. We serve a God that is willing and able to use anyone he desires to use so point to yourself and say that includes me amen amen got to remind yourself of that amen you got to know who you are in the Lord amen because the devil is always trying to remind you of who you are not supposed to be he wants to deceive he wants to rob And he wants to destroy you. Amen. But thanks be to God that gives us the victory. Amen. So Jesus told the disciples, he says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be what? Witnesses, right? Unto whom? Amen. So we are supposed to be witnesses, and that's what we are talking about, being or the power of Christian witnessing. Amen. The power of Christian witnessing. Can anybody tell me what we have discussed so far on the subject of the power of Christian witnessing? (laughs) No hands raised. Sister Michaela. Okay. Tell us what you know. Tell us what maybe you got out of it. True Christians will always be persecuted, and you're either on the right side or the wrong side of God's Word. All right. All right. Amen. Brother Richard. I got a few things. Uh, can you read that? <laughs> <laughs> can you read <laughs> Well, we can follow after Christ. Uh, um, I got uh, Acts 1, 8. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. <clears throat> All right. Amen. Anyone else? <laughs> and we hate sin as much as God does, and it's an attitude change. And it's not about uh, emotions. It's about to be godly. It has to be with godly sorrow. Uh, and there is a difference how God feels about me. Loves me and about sin. He hates sin. And the whole and the whole law hangs on love. Amen. Praise God. That's awesome. Amen. That's what it's about. Right? You know what David said? He said a lot of things. But one of the things he says. He says, thy word have I hid in mine heart. Why? It's going to help me keep from sinning against you. In fact, he says in Psalm 1, in his law doth he meditate day and night. And because he stays in the word day and night, thinking on his word day and night, the Bible says he shall be like a tree. I want someone to go out there with your bare hands and try to push one of those trees down. I can guarantee you that if the wind hasn't pushed those trees or blown those trees down with all the winds that we've had come through here, you certainly not going to be able to push it down with your own strength and ability. And the Bible likens us to a tree saying we shall be solidified. We'll be planted. Our roots are strong. A tree that has weak roots, it's going to come up a whole lot easier. Amen. But he says, we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And oh, by the way, we're going to be so strong that our leaf will not even wither. That's strength. You see all that wind blow through here. You see some leaves on the ground, right? But he says your leaf will not wither. But we got to stay in the word. In order to hide the word in your heart, you got to learn it. You got to study it. Study to show thyself approved. The workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But we're going to get into all that in the upcoming weeks. So we've been talking about what it means to be a Christian as it pertains to the power of Christian witnessing. What it means to be a Christian. And so we will continue that. We've talked up to this point about uh, repentance specifically, we talked about what it means to be a Christian or the definition of the word Christian and how it pertains to Christ. And we talked about repentance and repentance is that turning away, having godly sorrow, right? We talked about all of that. Now, before you can experience that transformation, it begins with repentance. You cannot get anywhere in Christ without first repenting. Which again is that turning away. So we must understand that. Gotta repent. When John the Baptist came, he told he was telling everybody you got to do what repent right that has been the common theme even when the children of israel fell away in the old testament if you look at it that's what they were told to do that's what god was compelling them to do turn away from all the things that you were doing i'm going to bless you i'm going to restore you but in order for that to happen you have to turn from all those evil and wicked things that you're doing the things that separated you from me to begin with amen So that's what God desires of us. If we're going to experience a change in our lives, it starts with a turning away. Look at it this way. If you truly want help, if you want to be rescued, you will always reach towards the thing that's going to pull you out of the stuff that you're in. Right. Would you turn to the mess that you're in and still look to be rescued? Right. Right. If I'm trying to pull you out of the flood, would you go further down into the water and still expect me to save you? I can't save you because you're still trying to, right? You're still going under. So if you want me to save you, you got to reach. That's what God is compelling us to do. Turn away from the mess that you're in. You want me to pull you out? Well, you you got to let me pull you out. Turn towards me so I can help you. And that's what God desires to do for us. Amen. So. We talked about baptism in Jesus name, right? Talked about the significance of that and how it's likened to the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Right. When you're baptized, the Bible talks about is Jesus Rose walking in power. Right. You rise walking in the newness of life. That was in Romans chapter six that we read about that and talked a little bit about that. Okay, And so it likens it to his death, burial. And then, of course, the resurrection. All right. Which is why we use the name of Jesus, because it was by Jesus that we have. Salvation afforded to us. So let's talk about this. The new birth experience. Nicodemus goes to Jesus in John chapter three. They have a dialogue. He's inquiring as to what he can do. He says, listen, we are really just trying to understand what's going on here. I'm a ruler of the Jews, but, you know, this is something different for us. What's really going on? Jesus goes on to tell him, he says, hey, except a man be born again, he shall not see. The kingdom of God, Nicodemus, as intelligent as he was, he goes on to ask, well, how can a man be? How is this possible? How can a man be born again? Can he enter into his mother's womb and then come out again? How does that work? Because I'm pretty sure it was painful enough when I was a little child. So you saying I got to. How do you do this? Jesus tells him, he says, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. Please understand this. Jesus is putting this here. He did not distinguish and say, well, you can do either or. You must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. What does that denote? It is a combination. You're not good having one and not the other. The new birth experience includes both being baptized in water and of the Spirit. And to be baptized, we know, means to be submerged or immersed in, right? So you got to be immersed in water and in the... Okay. Joel 2 and 28. The new birth experience culminates with the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Notice it said the new birth experience... Not the plan of salvation. The plan of salvation includes the new birth experience, but the plan of salvation does not stop with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It is all meant to save us from this world until he returns. Amen. That's the plan of salvation. So we have to break the concept that, you know, plan of salvation is just a one time experience. It is a lifetime experience. It includes the new birth experience, but it continues on until we reunite it with Christ. Amen? So the new birth experience culminates with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, Joel 2:28. He says, "And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, all flesh, right? Yep. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy." Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Who's talking here? Who's talking? In this particular passage. Was it Joel? Is Joel talking about pouring out his spirit? So who's talking? Oh, y'all going to help me teach now. It's God that's speaking, right? I will pour out. Here's a promise in the book of Joel. This is in the Old Testament, right? He's making a promise. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon some people. If you're white, if you're black, you got to be of a certain race, ethnicity, got to speak a certain language for me to pour out my spirit. All flesh, all, all flesh. All flesh right? All. The Bible lets us know that God is no respecter of Person. persons. Even in the Old Testament, you find folks that were not a part of the the, the pure lineage of Abraham. They were grafted into the family of of israel the children of god right Right. so much so that you find them included in the lineage of jesus christ that's awesome wow not only were you made a part of the family but you're included in history as being a part of the lineage of jesus christ wow that's pretty awesome so God has no respect of persons. He always had the same requirement that he had in the Old Testament. He just made a different way for us. So. God promises to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Right. Notice God did not tell us that he would pour out a spirit. He said, I will pour out my spirit spirit. John four twenty four. Jesus informs us that God is a spirit, right? Therefore, when God pours out his spirit, he is pouring out himself. How could God say I will pour out my spirit if the spirit existed as a separate person or personality within a Trinitarian or a polytheistic relationship? Can you give somebody something that don't belong to you? You could steal it, I guess. Right? You ever have somebody that always offers somebody else? Like, hey, oh yeah, my husband will be glad to help you. How you know? Right? <laughs> That's not the same as me saying, oh, I'll be happy to help you. If I say that, then, you know... It's coming from me, right? I'm offering from me, right? So God is not talking about offering something else that's tied or connected to him in some kind of heavenly Trinitarian or polytheistic relationship or aura that they have. We all sit down at the uh, table of fellowship and we decide who's going to go. I'm going to pour you out. Hey, I'm going to pour out of my spirit. No, hold on. I'm going to pour out. My spirit. God is a spirit. So he's pouring out of himself. Everybody with me, right? The scriptures clearly reveal that the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost represents the nature, character, personality, and essence of God himself. So the connection between the promise and the fulfillment is only made possible through Jesus Christ christ if you ever heard about that book david bernard david bernard has a couple of books out there and a lot of those books he references the oneness of god uh he talks about it he articulates it pretty good in fact if you really don't follow the lingo you might have to get a dictionary encyclopedia and all kinds of other references to really depict what he's painting to you a lot of verbiage in there all right but he, he does a real good job trying to distinguish and then bring it back together so that you see the whole picture. All right. Uh, but in that book, he talks about the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus means Jehovah, Savior, Jehovah, our salvation, or Jehovah is salvation. Right. Okay. So obviously in the Old Testament, and we find if you talk to the Jews, they know God as Yahweh or Jehovah. Right. Okay, so that's what the name Jesus meant. And of course, yes, you can tie it back to the Hebrew Yeshua, Joshua, all those other things that you can find out about the history of the name of Jesus. Isaiah 96 declares that the name of the begotten Son would be called wonderful. Counselor. What's that next part? Mighty God. What The name shall be called what? His name shall be called what? Uh Uh-huh. The mighty God. Y'all see that? The everlasting? Oh. Look how this already ties it in for you. See, I hear everybody saying it. So obviously we know, right? Guess what, y'all? There's a whole lot of folks that still don't know. But guess what? We're not making it up. We're going based upon what the word says, right? So his name covers it all. Jesus told us to baptize in Matthew 28, 19, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which we talked about last week, right? There's only how many names? One name, right? All right. If we believe in Jesus Christ, we shall have eternal life. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth. In him, all right. Y'all see that verbiage, right? It doesn't say believes on him. In him, right? Should not perish but have. So that means that if I want everlasting life, I've got to do what believe in. And who's him? What's his name? Because that name covers it all. That's who Jesus represented. God himself. All God did was manifest himself through Jesus Christ. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily just in case you didn't understand what we was talking about that's the scripture right bring that scripture up for me please colossians 2 and 9 because again we're not making this stuff up in him dwelleth all the fullness of the godhead bodily and i believe that scripture in timothy great is the mystery of godliness right First Timothy three sixteen. We hear this scripture so I told y'all. Pastor, I guarantee you, most of his messages, you listen back to him, and he'll have this and he'll recite this over and over and over again. But guess what? This is the gospel. This is part of the gospel. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Guess who it says was revealed in the flesh? God was manifest, revealed, so you want to see him. Here I am. That's what Jesus was saying. Right? He that hath seen me, ladies and gentlemen, it's in the Scriptures. That's why I say I don't have to debate and defend the Word of God. The Word of God stands for itself. You either believe it or don't. That's your choice. But since I've been to school, grades one or kindergarten through 12th grade and beyond, I have a good understanding of the English language. So when I read this, it's not hard for me to comprehend. When I put all this together, that's why you got to study to show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because if you use the word properly, it's going to tell you everything that's there. So don't be confused by the terminology that the scripture uses. Because it's pointing out the different relationship that God had with man. All of it points to God. Amen? Search the scriptures. For enemy think ye have eternal life. They are they which... Testify of me. Y'all see this? we don't talking a whole bunch of scriptures there. All of us know it. And the scriptures just painted the picture, right? Yeah. So how many gods are there? One. What's his name? Jesus. All right, so we understand that, right? Yeah. If we believe in Jesus Christ, we shall have eternal life. Well, there's no mystery in that. Obviously, we're believing in Jesus Christ. We understand that we are believing in God. Paul instructs us us to do all in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatsoever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. He is Jehovah. All right? So he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit, the spirit in the name of Jesus. That's why Jesus was able to say what he said in Acts chapter 1. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Because everything I'm doing, I'm doing in the name of my Father. Everything you see me do, greater things shall you do. Why? Because I'm going to give you my Spirit, and the Spirit that I'm operating in, you're going to operate in. You're going to be witnesses unto me, Christian. Because you're following after Christ, right? All right. If any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things that passed away, all things become new. John chapter seven, verse thirty-seven through thirty-nine. The last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Yes. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We just finished quoting a bunch of scriptures, right? Right? Yes. So you believe on him as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What are you talking about, Jesus? Yeah. Verse 39. Yeah. But this spake he of the spirit. Well, whose spirit are we talking about? Right? If you said God, God equals Jesus, Jesus equals God. It's just same thing, right? Which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Guess what? It's all through jesus christ okay that name is powerful that name invokes something every time you call on that name it invokes the blood it invokes everything that god did and put in place to save mankind that's powerful that's why the demons trembled that's why they were always every time jesus came around oh why are you coming to bother us jesus Every time the disciples and the apostles went around and, you know, they start casting out demons, you know, they recognized. Why? Because they were operating in the power of Jesus Christ. They had the spirit. They were able to do the same thing. Now, there were some folks that couldn't, that tried. They didn't have that authority. They weren't operating in Jesus Christ. They was operating in Marcus Miller's. Self. And what happened? The demons understood and said, hey, Paul, we know. We even know Jesus, but we we don't know who you are. (laughs) Fresh meat. So it's through Jesus Christ, right? This spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. The Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He was still with them. He was still teaching them, still showing them, paving the way. Once he was crucified, once he was buried, you know, fulfillment of the scriptures, he was glorified. He was able to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. John truly baptized, Jesus says, with water, but he shall be baptized. Excuse me. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. He says this in Acts chapter one, verse five. So let's look at this, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Those of us who are spirit-filled, been in church for quite some time, you've been around Pentecostal, apostolic, you name it, holiness, everybody we know about this. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Things were beginning to happen in the atmosphere. And there appeared unto them coven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the tongues obviously represents languages. And as the scripture unfolds, you see that it names some of the languages that they were speaking. The people that were around them that, that spoke that language or understood that language, they understood what they were saying. These people are speaking in these languages. And it wasn't because they went through a whole ton of college to learn these languages. And they weren't just speaking anything. They weren't just speaking a whole bunch of nothing. They weren't just saying, buenos dias, como esta. They weren't saying, hasta luego. They weren't saying, oh, those of you who know little Japanese. <laughs> What's the one in uh, Korea? They weren't saying that. They weren't saying, so, that's Farsi. That's Middle Eastern. That means good morning. They weren't just speaking just gibberish or just speaking anything, but they were speaking the praises of God. These are things that they understood. Glory was get, being given to God, and the things that they were speaking. Now, verse sixteen. You know, after the people around start making fun, is oh, you know, man, these people are full of new wine. These people are crazy. You know, that's human nature. We start making fun of stuff we don't understand. That's why I tell my children, don't worry about it. They only make it you because they don't understand. Right. So I guess that means you got to leg up on them because you do understand what they don't understand. Right. Come on. That's just how I look at it. All right. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel as Peter go ahead and he clarifies what's going on. He says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Remember what we just read, right? All right, he repeats it, and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon Now, wait a minute. So we remember what he promised? What we see here happening is the fulfillment of that promise. Let me clarify. This was never meant to be a one-time event. He was just clarifying so they understood that this is now coming to pass what was already predestinated before. Not this is it and it ends here. But he says in the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit upon some people, whoever was there, the 120 that was there in that upper room on this particular day. So when this day passes, nobody else gets it. That can't be all flesh. There was a whole lot more than 120 people uh, on the earth during that day. Right? So if we were to use that and say that was valid, a valid argument, then that would mean that everybody that was on earth would have received the promise and then that would have been it if we were to use that argument. But we see that didn't happen. 120 that we know of in the upper room received the promise. And then Peter goes on to say, just so you understand, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, right. Right? right? And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, he wasn't also saying that, you know, you can just live the life that you want to live and he's just going to part his spirit and, you know, you saved. Right. Notice what happened. Notice the example. They were in one place in one accord. And why were they in one place in one accord? Because they knew what Jesus said. He told them to wait for the promise. Right? right. So they went out there just doing what they wanted to do, and then the spirit just came out and said, "Oh, ah, you know, no, that's not how it happened. They obeyed Jesus. Right. That's why they were able to be the recipients of the promise because they were waiting for the fulfillment, doing what they were supposed to do. You read through the book of Acts, you know, the first chapter of Acts, and you see they were praying, they were doing the things that they were supposed to do. They weren't just sitting there like twiddling their thumbs, like okay." any day now like some folks do in church we waiting for God to move but we ain't going to do nothing for him we ain't going to give him no praise we ain't going to open our mouth and clap our hands all right well thank God we not that kind of church (laughs) right Pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams. It didn't mean the old men just sleep all the time. Ah, <laughs> uh, Well, okay. And all, all my servants and my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Look how he, you know, just in case you were wondering, there's no respect of persons with God. Regardless of what background you come from, what your history was, what your lineage was, you know, whatever it is that you could use to try to justify why you're not living for God, it doesn't add up. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Stop looking for the moon to turn into blood right today. Whenever he's ready, that's when it's going to happen. In the meantime, he's giving you his spirit so you have power to do a work. You know, that scripture says, and these signs shall follow them that believe what you doing with what God gave you? You got a dead battery in your cell right now? Or is it living? Is it working? You ever had a remote control car? That battery dies. It ain't going nowhere. You can press all the buttons you want on that remote control. Right. That car ain't going nowhere if the batteries are dead. Right. But if you got fresh batteries in there, the batteries charged up, guess what? It's going to take off. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not just talking about a verbal confession. It starts with that, but you speak that because of what's in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart. Oh, I love the scriptures, man. It's it's all right right here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak it. So when you talk about, well, I said, you know, I accept Jesus as my personal Savior. That's nice. But have you received him? Some folks go to Jesus when it's convenient. I accept him as my personal Savior. meaning I can go to him, whatever. You know, a butler and a maid, a servant. You ring a bell, you know, whatever your call is for them, and then they come and, you know, they're ready for you, whatever you need. And then when they done the done ta- with the task, they go about their business until you need them again. And I wonder how some, how some folks, we got folks in the world who treat Jesus like that. I'm going to call on you when I'm ready. He's my personal Savior when I need him. I'm in trouble right now. I need you to come help save me. But the whole time he's speaking, saying, hey, I've got some things I want to share with you. I, I, I got something I want you to do. I, 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 need, I need to get some rid of some things in your life. Oh, I don't need you right now, Lord. This is working for me. This is all right. When they asked him in verse 37, men and brethren, what shall we do after they were pricked in their heart? The Bible says they were convicted about what Peter told them. He says, man, y'all realize what y'all did? Y'all realize who who died? Y'all are guilty. Got Jesus crucified, but understand that what you did was necessary. Now that Jesus has died, now that he's given his life, now that he's risen from the dead, we can benefit From this right here, what you see happening, we are beneficiaries of the promise that's been given. And because of Jesus Christ, we now have this opportunity. Okay, men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? Then he says in verse 38. Hold on, we're going to come in together. Ready? One, two, three. Y'all supposed to sing the rest of the song. (laughs) Repent. Wow. We got a choir here. Hey, (laughs) y'all, that's all right. That's what it says, right? And everybody knows that. Repent, be baptized, right? Everything we've been talking about, okay, for the remission of sins. He says, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. And by no means did it mean that you can't receive the Holy Ghost before you're baptized in water. But these are the things that you have to do. It is a combination the promise, here it is, is unto you. Who else? You mean little kids can get the Holy Ghost too? Little kids can get baptized too? Thank you, Lord. Right? And to all that are uh, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I am so glad that he's made this available to me and to you. The fact that we have, you know, salvation, we unfortunately, I I really I I feel like we have we have veered somewhat away from the way it was supposed to be. You know, church, religion, doctrine, all these things have become like a, a boxing session, if you will, in our world today. It's sad that it's come to that point when you had folks that were willing, when they saw the power of God moving, it was like, hey, they asking you, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do to have my life changed? I want that. Whereas now we have folks on platforms and podiums, and I'm not talking about in the church, but I'm talking about universities and all these other places and you know it's great if 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 god is calling you to do something and, and this is a venue that he's going to use then that's great if god is calling you to do that but there are a lot of folks that's doing this stuff that's just it's in the name of defending the faith and it's not even giving glory to god and we're missing the point souls are not even being drawn not to god the glory is being drawn to man Even in using the stuff that's here, the glory is being given to man. And so souls are still being lost because they're not being told what you need to do. What does the Bible say? At the end of the day, we can talk about all kinds of stuff, but what does the Bible say that I need to do in order for my life to be changed and me to be reconciled back to God? Repent. Be baptized. Ladies and gentlemen, why do I say that? When you go out and you're talking to the world... If you can just give them the message of hope that, hey, this is really what God is asking of you. You don't have to get into doctrine with a lot of folks. Folks in the parking lot talking, next thing you know, they're ready to fight because they're talking about the Bible. What? How did we get here? Now I'm angry with you. I'm a child of God. I'm angry because I've been trying to talk to you about the Bible Listen, I've, I've seen this growing up. Churches I've been, I mean, even in churches, you got deacons fighting. What you fighting for? Because I'm right about the scriptures. He, Hold on. Is there a biblical example of what you're doing right now? We've gotten away from the simplicity of the scriptures and experiencing the power of, of God's word enacted in our lives. Being a Christian witness. The power of a Christian witness. We're going to talk more about this. To have the Holy Spirit is the possession or to have the spirit of Christ. To have the spirit of God. His spirit must be the ruler of our lives. Because that is the only way we can re- truly reflect his image. The Bible says, that, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a. Right. All things are behold you know what paul says in romans chapter 8 and verse 9 he says you're not in the flesh but in the spirit if so be that the spirit of god surrounds you thank you for pulling that up what does it say if it dwells in you it's not enough just to get a feeling this is one of the things that's killing people today That come in church looking for a change and I convince you that all you got to do is have a verbal proclamation and then you can leave here and you've got it. But you left without power because once you leave from the atmosphere, you didn't have anything to take with you because it wasn't in you. Right? So you go back to the atmospheres and the environments that you're used to and now you have no means of defense other than a good attitude And a desire to be different. But your desire alone is not enough. We have to have the power of God. That's why some folks will come to church. And then go back and still continue to drink alcohol. And become alcoholics. And all the other things that they're addicted to. Because they don't have the power. Of God in them. That's just the truth y'all. This is why it's so important. You know, Scripture, and we'll have to wrap this up some more next week on this part of it, but it's so important. You can't tell a person that they're saved, that they're filled with the Holy Ghost, if they haven't been convinced first. We have to be careful. In our efforts, you know. Oh, man, we got another one. Revival is almost over. just the last day. Woo! Hey, you're saved and you're saved and you got it. Yes, we got five people that got the Holy Ghost. Revival is over. But then in all actuality, do they know that they have it? Maybe they did get it. Maybe we see it all over them. But if they don't know they'll leave here and the only thing that they have is what you said but they never come ato- they never came to a point where they realized for themselves what they have and the enemy can rob them of what God has given them we got to be careful when you feel with the holy ghost you'll know nobody has to tell you I've been reading that book on Azusa Street, you know, and and the experience that they had, the experiences throughout that time. And I tell you what, there's some awesome things that took place during that time frame. As we call it, the birth of Pentecostalism, the holiness and all the other things that have been birthed out of that. Some awesome things that transpired during that time frame. And nobody had to tell the next person that you got it. They read the scriptures, they studied the scriptures, and when they had the experience, they wow, this is what we're talking about right here. Amen. Well, we got to take a break. God bless you. Let's uh, take a break and go, come back for a dynamic service in Jesus' name.